Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our opening program for this wonderful dedication of Swami Kriyananda's Moksha Mandir. We're so grateful and more happy than we can ever express to have our friends joining us from all over India, Europe, um, the United States, and many other countries. And for all of those who are watching us online throughout the world, welcome. On behalf of Swamiji, our beloved Guru Deva Paramahansa Yogananda, and all of your Guru Bhais here at Ananda Village, we are so glad we can join together. You know, at the, one of, at the last sentence, the last sentence of Master's autobiography of a yogi, he says, Lord, thou hast given this monk a large family. And the same may equally be said of Swamiji. We are all here because we are part of his family. And this is a celebration of spiritual family. During the weekend, we have... Members, we'll introduce them later this evening, but we have members of Swami's birth family. We have members of Master's family. We have dear brothers and sisters from many lifetimes who have all joined together. So this is a celebration of family. And those of us who live here at Ananda Village, we've been kind of whispering to each other, when we get to the astral world, this is what it's going to be like. (laughs) Just this world without boundaries, world without division, world that we feel we are one, joined together in God's love, even though our languages might be different. In fact, if you hear a little whispering at certain events, we have a group of about 40 five people from our community in Assisi, Italy, many of whom who don't speak English at all. So they'll be translated. We have someone who's doing simultaneous translating for them. So if you hear a little whispering, it's not someone being rude. It's for for our Italian brothers and sisters. So we we have so much to share with you this weekend. I, we're bubbling. We've been planning this event for months and months, and we're bubbling with joy. And so, without further ado, Jyotish will share some thoughts about what this weekend is about. First, let me say, as Davy did, what an absolute joy it is to see so many dear friends that have joined us from around the world. In fact, Davy and I were planning to go to Italy and India in August and then on to India in September, but now I think we don't need to. <laughs> the commute has been shortened. It's right here in this, in this room. <laughs> it is very, very fitting that the last song that the singers sang was Brothers, because that is really the vibration that Swamiji brought into the world. You know, when he formed the first monastery at Ananda, he called it the Friends of God, because that was the 
really the relationship that he had with everyone. Now, tomorrow we're going to dedicate this beautiful jewel of a building, the Moksha Mandir. Later this evening, we will have a presentation by those who are most responsible for having created that. And so we'll see some of the development, some of the uh, aspects of the building of it, and so that we'll understand that a little bit better. But even though that is a building, that's not what it really is. It is a manifestation of the love of the hearts around the world that Swamiji touched and that are returning that love. And it just happened to form itself into a jewel and we'll all have a chance to see it, to meditate in it, to feel it. But it, although nothing can really capture the spirit of Swamiji, it comes as close as a building is able to do that. But well, we'll see the building and the building of the building later on. I want to talk a little bit about the spirit that is manifested there. I had a kind of an image on the way over. You know when you see perhaps a documentary and it's a science documentary and there's a big comet impact on the planet and you see this streak of light come down and then this wave of energy. This is destructive energy that a comet has, but it gives a visual image in quick motion of what's been happening in the last century and a half or so. The descent of light with this ray of the masters came into this world and that impact is beginning to move out and it is covering the whole of the globe. But that impact needs carrier waves. And obviously the great masters of this path, Babaji and Lahiri Mahashaya, Sri Yukteswar, then especially master, bringing that light to this country. And then Swamiji receiving that light from master. But it isn't just light. Light is too cold, is too unconscious. It's really a vibration of love. What master said was his particular qualities, each God has different aspects. Master said the aspects of God that he in particular manifested were wisdom joy, and love. And that same vibration he passed on to Swamiji. And so Swamiji received that from him and then expressed it in his lifetime. And, you know, we could begin to name the ways that he did that and then not have any time for anything else this weekend. The wisdom through all of the books that he wrote and all of the lectures that he gave, the joy that he manifested that toward the end of his life, he often said, I feel so much bliss. I can't speak. I can hardly contain it. And in fact, 
he didn't do a very good job of containing <laughs> that joy toward the end of his life. It spilled over and touched everyone that came in contact with him. We heard a story just quite recently, a couple of weeks ago, of when Swamiji was visiting the East Coast of the United States, he was giving some programs and there was a, a couple that came and the woman was more interested in this particular path than the man. The man was a little more of a Ghana type, a little more mental. And he met Swamiji just for that one time and he cried for a week afterwards. Just that one meeting. And what is it that accomplishes that kind of a transformation. It's wisdom, it's joy, but most of all, it's the vibration of love. Swamiji said that the most powerful thing that we can do is to feel the love in our hearts and express that love to other people, to feel the joy in our hearts and to give other people, the gift of that joy. And that especially is what he did in his lifetime. And he did it on different continents. He did it in different languages. He did it from a youth until he was barely able to move. We have a dear friend that we'll in, uh, introduce later, uh, Sri Kartikeyanji, but was almost like a brother of Swamiji. And sometimes Swami would be going to a lecture and Sri Kartikeyanji would be helping him. Swami would be leaning on him, barely able to walk, barely able to get onto the stage. And then he would stand there and give a profound talk for an hour or an hour and a half. And then he would be finished and barely able to walk again. It's just the power of God flowing through him. But most especially, that power flowed through him in the form of love, which in his case was expressed because he didn't, he didn't want to differentiate himself. He hid his spirituality, especially during the earlier years, he, he kept it a little bit veiled. And so instead of expressing it as power or as magnificence, he kept that part, as I say, a little bit veiled and he expressed it as love. And everyone who came in contact with him felt the love, but expressed so naturally that it was often expressed as friendship. And even beyond friendship, he would make you feel that somehow you were the most important person. And in fact, at the time that he was relating to you, you were the most important person in the world to him because he was giving that love without any conditions and without any restraint. And so people had their lives changed by that. And it's because of that love that has spread out throughout the world that 
when Swamiji passed, everybody wanted to somehow be a part of returning that to him. And so the Moksha Mandir that we will dedicate tomorrow morning is an expression of the worldwide family that Swamiji awakened, that he touched, that he awakened the expression of friendship and love in so many hearts. And that expression is now returning to him. And I think what you will feel, well, I'll say what I feel in the Moksha Mandir with Swamiji resting right under the floor right there. I feel that it's an amplifier for those qualities that he had in this life, that one body could only express so much because even though it was not in truth limited in time or space, having a body created the delusion that it was limited in time and space. And so people in Italy would feel that he's not with us when he's living in America. And the people in America would feel, oh, he's gone away when he was staying in India and so on because we thought of him as having his location in that body. Now that's no longer true. There are no limitations. There is no physical expression that limits him. And so his energy, the love that he brought is beaming out extremely, extraordinarily powerfully. And that little jewel of a building is like the epicenter of a great amplifier. And I think that the impact that Master had, the impact that Divine Mother had through Master, through Master to Swami, through Swami to the world and especially to all of us, is going to grow and grow until it fulfills its true destiny, which is to uplift the consciousness of the planet. So we're so, so happy that you've all joined us for this blessed event. It's very, very fitting that his worldwide family has come in order to dedicate and return the love that he gave all of us. About two years ago, starting, we, when Swami passed away in April of 2013, we began making plans for this Moksha Mandir. And it came together really, it felt like Swamiji, Master, were just guiding our plans, guiding our thoughts. And we went, when we visited our community in Assisi, Many of you will remember, we talked about the, the plans, we showed drawings, just at that time, very simple, and people generously donated. Then we went to India, and we, did, we spoke of the plans for creating this building for Swamiji, and again, people donated so generously. And all over America, the funds came in from 
people who had very little to share, but it was important for them to do so. And so this, this weekend that we are celebrating the completion of this building is really, it's a celebration for all of us. And it's, I remember when you go to Assisi, there's the beautiful Basilica of St. Francis. And in the Middle Ages, when a saint would die, when they would want to create a, a cathedral or a basilica, it took hundreds of years, several generations to complete it. But so beloved was St. Francis that they completed that building. How, how many years? Four years, which in those days was, you know, like a miracle. Well, we've, we've actually uh, completed the physical building in about nine months of this structure. And though whenever we would visit it, and you'll see it tomorrow, every detail, every, the color of the paint, the angle, the texture, the every... There was so much love and devotion that went into every single detail. I would just, the rocks that were laid, the slopes that were created, it was each moment was an act of love that created that building. And as much as the devotion from around the world, the people that helped design it and create it, who will introduce a little in a little bit, it was that consciousness that we drew from all of you to honor your desire that this be a fitting resting place for Swamiji. I met Swami in 1969, and it, it, I could say I, meeting him was the beginning of a spiritual life for me. And then I was blessed to be trained and inspired by him for the next 40 plus years. But I often, well, I recently thought if I would, if he would have lived another 20 years, I still wouldn't have been able to learn everything he had to teach me. And yet at the same time, if I had only met him that first day, it would have been enough. Because just to know that such a man lived, such nobility, such integrity, such utter devotion to his guru. Just that one day would have formed the rest of my life. And so for those of you who met him briefly, for those of you who never got to meet him, for those of you whose lives were formed by him, we need to share the gift of what he gave us with everyone. And that it says in the scriptures of India, one moment in the company of, of a saint will be your raft across the ocean of delusion. And our prayer for each of you who have made the wonderful journey to come here this weekend is this will be a turning point in your spiritual life, that this can be setting your little boat out to cross the ocean of delusion and reach the shores where Swami of God communion, where Swami now dwells in eternal bliss. So thank you for joining us. We'd like now to introduce you 
to some of our very, very special guests. And we have a, a gift for each of you. You can just stand. First, Sri Kartikeyanji. You can turn and face everyone. Sri Kartikeyanji, as Jyotish said, was like Swamiji's brother. Although he's an internationally respected humanitarian, leads many, many uh, organizations based on world peace and harmony, Uh, had a very high government job, which uh, doesn't really define who he is. um, But when Swami would travel all over India... Sri Kartikeyanji, whatever he was doing, he would stop and come to that city and introduce him. And when Finding Happiness, the movie, was being premiered throughout India in many, many cities, Kartikeyanji would come and introduce it. And he's been a tremendous help for Ananda. And, And more than any of that, he is our dear friend. Here is a little gift for you as a token of our appreciation. We also are very honored to have Somnath and Sarita Ghosh. This is Master's grandnephew and his wife. They are uh, lovingly care for the house at for Garpar Road, where they live, Master's Boyhood Home. And it is open every day of the year to devotees. Right now, their uh, elder daughter and her husband are keeping it open for devotees. But every day, by tens and dozens and hundreds, devotees come, and everyone is welcome. So we thank you for sharing Master's Vibrations and for coming this weekend. And we have the gift for you. <laughs> we also would like to honor Daljeet Singh, who has joined us from Gargon. Daljeet is a um, very uh, busy international, uh, has international service through many hospitals that he, he is the manager of throughout the world. So He's joining us for this weekend. He's also one of our core advisors for our work in NCR, the Greater Delhi area. And his friendship, his advice, his guidance is invaluable. And he makes the best dinners in, that we've had. <laughs> <laughs> we also would like to please stand up, Kavita. And she is um, <laughs> you'll get to you'll get to see more of her on Sunday morning. She is the one that Swami asked to 
produced the movie The Answer, and it is in large part through her efforts that we will have the blessing of seeing it. So um, she's a dear friend. Swami had tremendous respect and love for her and entrusted her with this very important role. And here's a gift for you. And last but not least, we have two members of Swami's birth family. Please stand. This is Swami's niece, Ellen Silvestro. Swami felt, and her father, who is Swami's nephew, oh, you're her, his grandniece, correct? Yes. So her father, Dave, was, Swami felt that he had a tremendous link with him spiritually. And so Dave will be joining us tomorrow. He's a doctor and couldn't come today. And But Swami, just whenever Ellen would come to visit him, Swami said, remember, he said, you remind me of myself at your age. It's <laughs> a lot to live up to. <laughs> so here's a gift for you. One for you. And one for you. And then Marjorie... If you remember, this is Swamiji's cousin. If you remember the story of... (laughs) Marjorie's sister was Swami's mother's sister. Is that correct? Your mother was his... I'm sorry, your mother was... My mother was... His mother's sister. Sister, correct. Yes. And and, thank you. (laughs) And... um, when her mother was ill for a period of time, and so Marjorie, when she was a teenager, came and lived in the Walters home with uh, Swami's mother and father. Swami was away at college at the time, but yeah, they look alike, don't they? <laughs> and uh, if you remember the story in the New Path, Swami came back from college, and his mother said, you have to take your cousin horseback riding. He really didn't want to. Well, this was Marjorie. <laughs> And she's an accomplished professional artist. And Swami always appreciated so much when you would come to visit. He felt a real spiritual rapport with you. So thank you for joining us. And here's thank a gift. And now we'd like to, uh, we're going to uh, be seeing. Uh, slide presentation about the life of Swamiji and it will be followed by a slide presentation or not slide really but visual presentation of the development of the Moksha Mandir so we'll have one and then the next so
your life will be one of intense activity and meditation, Yogananda told Kriyananda in 1950 when they were together at the Master's Desert Retreat. His story is one of discipleship above all. It is also a story of opposition, suffering, persecution, and the courage to face and overcome obstacle after obstacle before him. His story tells finally of the divine joy and freedom that come from giving oneself single-mindedly to God. Once after Swamiji had passed through a difficult period of testing, I said to him, I don't know if I would have had the strength to endure what you've had to go through in this lifetime. I didn't know that I had the strength, he quietly replied, and then added with deep conviction, but faith is my armor. Such has been the life of Swami Kriyananda. Swamiji's highest priority as a teacher was to try to hear the unspoken questions in people's minds and answer them. Before giving a lecture, he always meditated and inwardly asked his guru to help him understand what this particular audience needed to hear. Frequently, people told him afterwards that they had felt while listening that he was speaking to them alone, answering their special needs. My goal in teaching, Swamiji has often said, is to awaken in people their own sense of the divine truth. He always places people's personal needs ahead of any institutional consideration, believing that spiritual teachings should not be done with any hidden sectarian motive. Frequently, he tells his audiences, I don't want to convert you to anything but your own highest self. I've had two desires in life, Swamiji has said. The first is to find God. The second is to help others to find him. This twofold ambition has kept him inwardly free from all lesser attachments. How can we understand the part he has played as a channel for his guru in the training of others? First, he would demonstrate by his own example. Next, he gave quiet support with covert supervision. And then finally, he encouraged them to go on alone. This is very much the way he has trained Ananda members in a great variety of their activities, in leadership, in spiritual teaching and counseling, in singing, writing, and most importantly, in discipleship and their inner search for God. Thus, he has given to others a sense of personal confidence in their own spiritual potential and in their own ability to achieve outwardly. In the last years of his life, people often ask me, has Swamiji changed since you first met him? No, I always say. What I experience now is what I felt from the first time I saw him. 
At the beginning, though, Swamiji kept a veil over his consciousness. If you tuned in, you could see behind the veil, especially when you looked into his eyes. See, he had a lot of work to do, and it served him to keep his consciousness a little bit hidden. In front of others, he kept his feelings in check and rarely referred to his inner state of consciousness. In the last years, though, when his great work was done, he just let the bliss flow. Merely to speak of Master brought him to tears. Often he spoke of his constant state of bliss. Because I write and speak so much about Swamiji, he allowed me to verify my perceptions of him. Once I asked him, May I say that you are the same as you have always been? The only thing that has changed is the way you express yourself? Yes, he said. You may say that because it's true.
I have to say, it's a great satisfaction to me. Let me just speak personally for a moment. I spent so many years trying to serve Master, and to see you all here smiling, loving, blissful, happy, kind to each other, respectful of each other, these are all attitudes that I'm so happy. I'm, somebody asked me, what are you proudest of? I'm not proud of anything, but I have to say I am proud of you. So, thank you.
watching. Speaking of a whole other room watching, as you can see, we have outgrown our temple. Mm-hmm. And so next year we're going to start making plans to build a temple that we all can sit in together. <laughs> This extraordinary jewel of the Moksha Mandir would not have been possible without the participation of everyone in this room and many thousands others throughout the world. The actual building, as you can see and well imagine, was the work of literally hundreds of people. But without three people especially, this beautiful vision could not have landed from the causal and astral plane onto this physical plane. And so I would like to now introduce three people. Pandaranga, who is the architect. Nakula. the contractor and the head of all of the crews and sub-crews and the project manager. project manager. And for the first time in the history of Ananda, perhaps in the history of construction, <laughs> brought in a project under time, before time, and under budget. And also Willow, who, I don't know, is the omnipotent everything. (laughs) Many, many of the aesthetic touches and the vision she and Pandaranga worked on collaboratively. And uh, she was also one of the masterminds uh, for the beautiful... Temple of Light in Seattle, Washington, at our community there, and she and her family moved here just in time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think there. Well, it's such a blessing to be here with this greater family, and just want to spend a couple of minutes of just telling you how the Mandir. Um, came into being um, because we're all going to be so blessed by it. We are so blessed by it. The world is so blessed by it. And it's all, it's a testimony really to Swamiji because we wanted to honor him with the building. But what it really also does on another level, it honors his legacy for he taught Jyotish and Devi. He taught uh, so many people how to lead a spiritual life in everyday life and taught us to follow in those footsteps. And because of that, all of us, as our Ananda family, will be able to create this building and this this shrine uh, for what it is. So that's really a testimony to Swami's greatness that this is what manifested through what 
he has um, left as his legacy and teaching all of us. But I wanted to give you just a couple of quick insights into the process because um, we were guided by Joe Tish and Davey were really instrumental in guiding us along the way. We had a steering committee. We had the design committee along with some other people. Thank you all. Too many people to name, but God bless you all. It's all been a group family effort. But to make this building come into manifestation, there had to be um, a vision. And, you know, one of Master's sayings was that um, thoughts are universally based, not individually based. Well, the same is true of buildings. This building, this jewel of a building was in existence. There is no time and space. It has been there since forever. And it was just our job to unearth everything around it and let it come out of the ground. And we did that in a lot of different ways. I'll just relate one story that was especially um, poignant. We had been going through the building process and building the building, and there was the altar. So what is the altar going to be? Okay, we had these ideas. We're moving forward, and okay, we'll do the altar next month. Uh, we'll talk about the altar next month. And so finally, the building's pretty much built, and there was no altar yet. <laughs> and it was time to get to that point. And interesting enough, um, Tajendra in Italy had a vision of Swamiji who talked to him about this eternal flame. And I don't know if that's the word he used, but it was a flame that would be um, part of the altar. And he told us all about that. And we were um, very interested in that, but we still weren't sure what this what this thing was going to be. And so um, Joe Tish and Davey and Willow and I uh, met in the Mandir uh, one afternoon, probably not all that long ago, probably about three months ago. Had you just gotten back from just gotten back from from it, from Italy and India, and so we sat down and you know we also had considered using a crystal at one point. So I had made this little plexiglass altar piece and we put the crystal up on the altar and looked at it and then we had this mock-up that uh, Tejenda had come up with of a white orb surrounded by blue and surrounded by orange that was what Swami told him was Swami going from um, more of a physical body to the to the um, to super conscious and blissful body and so we set that up there and Right when we were in this whole conversation, this whole thing, a storm had come through, and this rainbow appeared and went across the valley. And we weren't sure how we were going to bring this altar into manifestation. And uh, Joe Tish, was it Joe Tish? Said, let's make an arch like the rainbow to support this um, this thing that would represent Swami. And... Um, we took that and we looked at that arch as a shape and then we ended up looking at an Indian arch to support this flame which ended up feeling like where it wanted to go. And so that's what we did. And then one thing in the slideshow that we did, um, I wanted to show the making of that flame because that was a very special time. Um, we had three glass blowers in Sacramento along with Willow and Gitabai and First, we went down and we worked on the little orb on the inside, the little white Swamiji, you know, pure essence in the middle surrounded by this blue. 
And we kind of had that down, but then we had to go back another day to try to manifest what was trying to happen. And we were working with the glass blowers from um, 9 o'clock in the morning to 4.30 in the afternoon, developing this piece of glass, keeping it up to 1,000 degrees, opening up ovens, things in and out of the ovens for however many hours that is, and created, we didn't create, I mean, the universe created this thing. And it just formed out of the glass and became this um, this life that there's no way we could have thought our way through. I mean, even what Tejendra showed us was this flat two-dimensional thing, and it just became um, this part of Swamiji. And the ironic thing is we didn't know what it was going to look like until the next day because it has to cool. And so it cooled the whole day, and then we got a call from the, um, from the glass floor the next day, and he said, well, didn't turn out quite like we thought it did because we all had this image of what we were trying to do. And Divine Mother said, no, it's going to be something different. And with some intrepidation, I must say, <laughs> we brought it back and showed it to Jyotish and Davy and said, what do you think? And they just loved it. And it's just, I mean, it's just, Divine Mother's gift and Swami's gift to us all. So that was just a story I wanted to tell about that. So bless you all. Thank you for, be, for being a part of this and making it happen. And enjoy the many blessings. Swami is so present, so present there. Good evening, everyone. Um, my name's Nikula. I know many of you, some I don't, from around the world. Uh, it's been my great blessing to be the project manager to actually bring this project from the causal astral to the physical, which is difficult to say. I, I first met Swamiji in 1970, and... Uh, like they were saying before, each person has their one moment in the presence of a saint where I went to the meditation retreat and he, he spoke a wonderful service as he always did. And then by my good grace, he gave me a ride in his car to where I was going afterwards. And I realized what what a genuine real person he was besides being a saint and wise avatar, he was a regular person with no airs to put on. And he also equally accepted me, uh, less of a saint in my own experience, but uh, <laughs> he accepted me as as an equal person. And I have followed him ever since. I, I'd never left uh, the vicinity and following Swamiji, I've been involved with building for many, many years, and, and I've built many, many buildings. And I have to say this is the most complex and intricate project I've ever worked on. And um, and I do appreciate and uh, for, for Well, first, I want to really thank Swamiji and all of those in the leadership for allowing me the greatest of honors of my whole life to have the opportunity 
to lead this project in this part of it. In my greatest honor. And I want to thank, uh, I'm not allowed to name any names, but all the men, all the brothers, all the sisters who have put hammer to nail and a trowel to cement and shovel to earth to create this. Uh, everyone has been right there with me. It's to to manifest in the time and frame we've we've discussed. It's taken a great force of Shakti to come up and move that energy. And uh, I appreciate all of those who've been there with me to uh, go along with it, sometimes appreciating, sometimes less. So the energy to move move this forward. And, and I... <laughs> Um, yes, I was almost going to sing John Anderson, my joke, because I thought it'd be a little easier. <laughs> um, I, I just will leave you with, with an, um, a meaningful phrase uh, from Paramahansa Yogananda, our guru, that I learned from Swamiji and, and from uh, Arjuna, lucky who helped create this building. Um, I will feel thine energy flowing through my hands in activity, lest in sloth I lose thee. I will find thee in activity. And all of you, I consider my brothers and sisters to enjoy this wonderful building. And, and I'll repeat the thought, this building will transform us beyond what we've known. It's a magnet. It's it's a force that Swami is in, and not only in, but he is in, and he's manifesting that consciousness that he wanted all of us to do for expansiveness and vision beyond where we could see ourselves to go, way, way far beyond to be uh, our own highest potential. Thank you, everybody. It has been a great honor to be a part of the project. And I'd really like to just take a couple moments and really talk about the family that created this because it really was the love and blessings of Ananda worldwide that created this temple. It's still amazing to me to look at slides of moving earth with these big clunky machines i mean i just look at them and say we're still doing that and i think that's because we've we've built on the astral planes and it's still shocking that on this physical plane we still have to move the physical and so there was a team of people that moved the physical but there was a bigger team of people that moved moved the consciousness that moved the love that imbued every step of the project and that group of people is in this room the room over there and all over the world the blessings the prayers the consciousness that flowed into the building we felt it 
on the site, the grace that flowed in making decisions. We would know that there would be a pause place. We didn't know where the next, what the next step might be. We knew we needed to make a decision, but we would just wait and until that answer came. And I really believe it was your prayers. It was your blessings that fueled us to rise to that highest level of expressing divinity in architecture. There is not an element in that moksha mandir that has not been consciously addressed. Every angle, every element, and you propelled that. And this is just the beginning. So many people asked, uh, what uh, is going to happen when Swami Kriyananda passes? Like, what's going to become of Ananda? And I think we even sort of say, well, I'm not sure. You know, what is going to happen when Swami's gone? Well, I'll tell you, what has happened with Swami passing is an incredible family coming together with even greater power, greater love, greater unity. This family has drawn together through Swamiji's passing and through this project, and this is just the first project. There are so many more to come, and I look forward to working with you all in prayer and high consciousness in manifesting Swamiji's vision of happiness on this planet. By Gita to come up now. Gita has been instrumental in coordinating all the financial details of this project and the blessings that we're receiving. Thank you. I have the great honor to just share a little bit about the blessing box that is behind me. Hopefully many of you have heard about what this is. Um, after Swamiji's passing, I think all the different aspects of Ananda started receiving messages of love and gratitude about how Swamiji touched each and every one of us. And we wanted to find a way to imbue the moksha mandir with the love and vibrations of every single one of us in a, you know, in a physical manifestation. The building itself is that physical manifestation, as Jyotish said, but we all have our story and we all have little things that we wanted to say to Swamiji. So we started to collect those things as messages of blessing and put, place them in this box. And some people did it here in person. Some people did it over the Internet. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages, messages have come in from every corner of the planet. And so this box containing all of that love after Swamiji's birthday in just a few days will be placed underneath within the moksha mandir next to his body so that it can be an expression of every little bit of love that we have all experienced through Swamiji on the phys- then on the physical plane and in the in the building itself so if you haven't had an opportunity to share your message of blessing with Swamiji it is not too late 
you will have tomorrow, you will have the rest of the weekend. People watching online can continue to send those messages in to us online. And we'll, but we'll collect those, and then once they go underneath, right next to Swamiji's body, they will remain there with interred for all time to bless that site with all of our love. Um, so when you're looking for it tomorrow, because many of you are traveling here and maybe haven't had the opportunity, it will be a part of the ceremony in the morning, and then it will sit just outside of the mandir, and there will be pens and paper there. So you're welcome all day and the next day and all the way up until Tuesday to fill out your little message and place that in that box or, again, to send it online. And we'll do that. And then I have a few announcements, and that's, that's it for me this evening. I wanted to go over tomorrow is a big day, and we all have our welcome packets, I hope, with a detailed schedule. But just reminders... The morning, the dedication starts at 8.45 in the morning. Chanting will begin at 8.15 in the morning, and you're encouraged and welcome to get there nice and early to get your seats. There is car, there's a long carpool message on those uh, village residents' voicemails, it's, but if you are not getting those, I want you to know that there's organized carpools. Where we all are required to have at least four people in our cars but just get creative and put as many in there as you can because parking is limited. <laughs> so people can meet up at um, Master's Market or here at the Expanding Light anytime early in the morning, you know, 8.15 or even earlier if you'd like to. Fill your car up and go on over to Crystal Hermitage um, to enjoy the incredible morning. Right after the dedication ceremony itself, which ends at 10.15, the, from 10.15 until 2.30, 2.15 really, when the tribute talks begin there again at Crystal Hermitage, that whole time um, the Moksha Mandir and Swamiji's apartment will be open for short meditations, rotating meditations for all of our out-of-town guests to have the opportunity to be in both places and to meditate there. And then the whole rest of the grounds is open for you to mix and mingle with your guru bhais. Um, and those who have ordered lunches, they'll be delivered to Crystal Hermitage. So um, then at 2.30, we have the tribute talks, which will be so inspiring. Um, talks about Swamiji's life and more sharing. They're at Crystal Hermitage, 2.30 to 4. And then the evening, we have a spectacular program, the Festival of the Joyful Arts, down at the Community Center, which is a very, very large building by Master's Market, in the downtown center. Um, that will be a combination of music and drama and all kinds of expressions of Swamiji's creativity for all of us to enjoy. One little note about the morning I forgot that I wanted to mention. There's uh, many of us, and we are all fitting into the Crystal Hermitage grounds. Um, but I want you to know that I, I don't think, I've looked, I've looked over it, there's not a bad seat in the house. And over in, even inside of the dome, there is seating. And so you think, I'm in the dome, I can't see anything. But in fact, there will be streaming, live streaming what's happening out on the dais and the whole program. And those people in the dome will actually get to see what's happening inside of the mandir at the moment of the dedication. So it's, it's not a bad seat, even on the inside. And it'll be warm in there. Um, <laughs> 
But really, um, come early, find your spot, get ready to you know open your hearts and feel the beauty and the vibrations of this this place and this love that we all have for each other. So, blessing. <laughs> Close now with a prayer. Heavenly Father, Father, Divine Mother, Mother, Friend, Beloved God, God, Great Masters, masters, Jesus Christ, Christ, Babaji Krishna, Krishna, Lahiri Mahashaya, Swami Sri Tesvarji, Beloved Guru, Guru. Paramahansa Yogananda, Yogananda. Friend and Guide, guide. Beloved Swami Kriyananda, Kriyananda. we humbly bow to you all. all. We come together together. as your children children. in this great family family. of self-realization. May your blessings blessings of joy, of of divine love, of God awareness awareness, shower down on us us during this weekend weekend. and throughout our lives. lives. We are forever united united. in this family in God. And with thee, oh, peace, amen.